Once upon a time, in a faraway land, there was a story that changed everything. Hello and welcome to Story Tales, the podcast all about storytelling in its many forms. I am Marcus Hooper. And I'm Caitlin Park. How are you doing, Caitlin? Doing great. How are you? I am doing really well. I am ready to get into this. Now, today, Caitlin is actually presenting a topic. And Caitlin, what are you going to be talking about today? We are going to be talking about, as I've said before, the biggest disappointment of my middle school life. Acne? Uh, no. Braces. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We just high-fived. I don't know if you could hear but that. No, no, no. Okay, imagine it. Imagine it. For... I was about what? to say, I thought you were just going to sit there and imagine it. And I was like, uh, Caitlin, this is in audio <laughs> format. We need you to... <laughs> Oops. She's like, now sit and think. Like it's a meditation or <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, continue. Imagine. Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. So imagine. Imagine. You've mm-hmm. been following a show for a year and a half. And they call the cops? <laughs> Because you're stalking this show? Porsche, poor little show. Poor show. (laughs) Can't do that anymore. I mean, back in, what was it, 2012? Different time. Different. It was a different time. (laughs) We all thought we were going to die in December. (laughs) We did. We did. Funny story about that. This is a little derail. Put a pin in what you're talking about. Um, (laughs) She actually physically pretended to put a pin. Um, I was working at Six Flags doing shows when the, the world was supposed to end. So I was literally at work. And people from other parts of the world were like, well, it's past midnight. Nothing's happened yet. And then I was like, hey, yeah, wait a minute. <laughs> when, <laughs> when someone prophesies, prophes, prophesizes, when someone has prophesized <laughs> that the end of the world is going to happen at midnight, midnight for who? Like there are different time zones, you know? Time is a lie. Time is a lie. <laughs> time is a construct. Because uh, like midnight for us, isn't that like noon in australia or something i think so like so they're already in tomorrow so is it according to america i feel like that's pretty narcissistic but that fits with how most americans act (laughs) (laughs) true because you know look at movies aliens always land in america anyway Mm. we're getting really off track here yeah yeah but a little philosophical as well i thought that was interesting like if there's a prophecy that the world's going to end at midnight midnight for who like, does it, does it just go with the time zones? So, like, the world just slowly starts to crumble, like, with with the shadow of the moon. <laughs> like, it's just like, as it turns to midnight or something. Hmm. Anyway. Interesting. I, so I kicked your thing. Sorry. <sighs> Future Marcus, take that out. Nah, don't do it. <laughs> leave it We're going to leave the whole thing in there leave about in. the Mayan calendar and everything. Yes, adds character. Of course. Anyway, take that pin out. Take- you were, uh, okay. we were imagining following a, a show for years for, yeah 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 and you love that show mm-hmm. and you find out they're making a live action adaptation oh so you watch everything all of the trailers actors all of their interviews and how pumped they're getting for this film mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you buy merch Mm-hmm. You spend actual real money on this thing. Actual real grown-up money? Yeah. I don't have any of that. 
that's None not, of us do. That's not me in character as a seventh grader. That's me now. <laughs> the 24-year-old man. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> 12 uh, years later. <laughs> I, think I, <laughs> I think I had less money. Had? <sighs> Caitlin. I think I, I had, had less money now. <laughs> you knew exactly what I was saying. Okay. <laughs> but yes, real actual money on stuff about this. And then you go to the theater and all of your hopes and dreams are crushed. Mm-hmm. As soon as you realize M. Night Shyamalan decided... <laughs> to write an adaptation. I'm laughing because I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, but I, I also don't know if I know how to pronounce his name. It's close. <laughs> Sh- I, Shyamalan? I think it's Shyamalan. Sh- Shyamalan? But it sounds Sh- like you said Shyamalan. <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> M. Night Babylon made a movie. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It, you know what? It's better than what I've seen on Tumblr about his name. Well, <laughs> well now you've piqued our interest, Caitlin. <laughs> um, it's kind of just different ways to slaughter his last name, like Shamalama Ding Dong or... <laughs> so kind of like the Benedict Cumberbatch jokes. Yes. Yes. Exactly like those. People still make those jokes, and I'm like, okay, it's not funny anymore. <laughs> Like, we all know his name. He's in enough stuff. Like, back when that joke was really popular, he was really only known for Sherlock. And now I'm like, yeah, but he's also in tons of other things. We could make a whole episode about it. We could, we could make a whole episode. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch, parentheses, his name. <laughs> it's not even about the actor. <laughs> Benedict Cucumber. Benedict. Ben, what if the title was Benedict? Ben, ben, ben Dick, ben, the guy who played Sherlock. <laughs> I think that would be very on brand. And uh, yeah, I don't know why I just laughed so hard at that. But anyway. I want to talk about him now one day just so we can make that joke. The whole time. The, no, I mean, just in the hour. title. No. <laughs> it's got, no. Commit. She's putting her foot down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, hold on. Anyway, yeah. we just found out that M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> made the, this movie you're talking about. Did you name the movie yet? The I mean, Last it, it is the Airbender. title. Oh, sorry, I ruined your moment. That's anyway. okay. The Last You know, I was Air- thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. Okay. <laughs> what is okay, it for real? Are I we won't, all ready? I won't. I are won't we do all it ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Steve, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready, yeah. Thank you, Steve. You're welcome. The Last Airbender. <gasps> there was no drama, might I add, because the title of this episode is The Last Airbender. <laughs> so so people, you already knew. We were like, like it was like 30 minutes of drum roll, and they were like, oh <laughs> my gosh, we know what it is. But listen, I just wanted to take you on a journey so no, you could understand the disappointment. It was a nice journey. <laughs> For a minute, I was like, are you talking about Dragon Ball Evolution? You know what? <laughs> But then you said M. Night Shyamalan, <laughs> and I don't think he directed that movie. I don't think so either. I don't know who directed that movie, and I don't care to know. <laughs> they just shouldn't have. We should talk about that movie sometime. Yeah, or adaptations that just sucked. True, true. 
because there's a lot of those. There's a t- too many. Yeah. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about the many reasons why The Last Airbender sucked. Can I tell you the first time I saw this movie before we get started? Oh, absolutely. Please do. First time I saw this movie, I was dating somebody else because I was like 16. So it was a long, long time ago. So this is one of my ex-girlfriends. We literally went to see this movie because we thought it would be a good makeout movie. You know, the kind of movie where it's like... It's one you can ignore. Right. It's one, you know, because we were young enough that like we couldn't just make out in our house because, you know, our, our parents lived there. <laughs> and they did Sorry not Sorry if you're listening. Mom and dad. <laughs> I went and made out in a movie theater. <laughs> they probably knew anyway. <laughs> They were probably like, he's probably kissing. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> um, but it was like the perfect makeout movie because a makeout movie, you want to go to the movies and get away from your parents. It's a dark room. Um, if it, And a perfect makeout movie is one where not many people are there to see it. And it's not interesting enough for you to care. So it's not going to distract you from kissing your significant other. And... It also, but yet is also like noisy enough that it can cover up the sounds of smooching. (laughs) So literally every once in a while, we would like look up to see what was going on to see if we were missing anything. And every time we'd be like, nah, we're not missing anything. (laughs) You really weren't though. So like when I watched it a second time, I didn't remember anything. Like I remembered that he was bald (laughs) and (laughs) that he could, that he had magic powers. And that's all I remember. And that's it. And that's it. But you, as you kind of said in the introduction you have a more vested interest in these characters oh my gosh they were my life um so tell us before we get started also tell us for people who might not know what was this movie based off of this movie was based off of avatar the last airbender uh which is a cartoon series created by brian knitsko and michael dante DiMartino, and it was originally aired on nickelodeon hmm and they actually just finished a spin-off series recently, didn't they? Yes, Legend of Korra. Uh, that ended in 2014? 2014, I think. Was it a spin-off series or was it a sequel series? A sequel. Okay, because that is the, different. Yeah. Because there the, were no... It didn't feature any characters from the first one. Oh, right? it did. It did? Oh, yeah. Um, many of the original series characters had... Um, a few cameos and one even had a few featured episodes. Oh, but I mean, they weren't like the main characters. Oh, no. So it is more of a sequel series. It's not really a spinoff because to me, a spinoff would be you take a character from the original series and give them their own show. Right. But a sequel series is a follow up to the previous series, which is what Legend of Korra was. So that's why I was trying to figure out the, those terms in my head. But Avatar, the last airbender. Yes had has a very devoted following oh absolutely uh how well i'm talking viewership and financially you may not know this did the show do when it was on the air um well while it was on the air they were actually in between season two and season three or technically speaking book two and book three Mm -hmm. um when the writer strike happened, mm. so that was like two thousand four, two thousand five. Yeah, right around there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I remember the first time I ever watched the show. It was just a bunch of reruns on 
Saturday morning, and it was pretty much the same episode that would air all the time, but, I mean, when your writers are on strike, you can't really do anything that's yeah. new. And the original series was 20 episodes long per book with three books, so roughly 60 episodes, mm-hmm. um, which isn't very long, and that was intended. Uh, they needed to end the story. They knew that all good stories had to come to an end, and... Um, so they completed the arc in 60 episodes and it did okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, they originally pitched it for like seven to like 12 year olds. And then it was book two when they realized their audience was so much bigger than what they originally intended. And that's why we get some of the more mature themes in the later books. So financially, uh, it had a lot of revenue. But it wasn't enough to kind of sustain it on the network. And the network kind of let go of it pretty quickly um, after its end. In fact, like, right now I'm not sure that even on, like, any of the spinoff Nick channels that you could find it. Unless Mm -hmm. it's, like, at a very random time. Um, And I know the same kind of happened with Legend of Korra. It blew up overnight in the first book and then... By the time they got to the fourth book, uh, Viacom cut half of their spending and they were given the option of either letting their people go or kind of taking an episode to um, like recap. So they chose a recap episode because they wanted to make sure that their staff was taken care of. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of that story. So it, it did well by it sustained a really huge fan base. I mean, on fanfiction.net um yeah please don't drag me for being on fanfiction.net for a little while (laughs) (laughs) i'm not anymore (laughs) but for a long time avatar the last airbender had the most fan fictions on the site Mm -hmm. so people writing and like participating with the show it had the most um and and that's really cool that i got to be a part of that um yeah so so you'd say the it has a huge following, oh, yeah. Avatar The Last Airbender. So would you say that that following, unfortunately, kind of came around after the show was already off the air? Like it had more of a successful afterlife than it did its life on Nickelodeon? Yes. I think Avatar had... It was a little ahead of its time because of mm-hmm. how huge Legend of Korra was at its start. Yeah, I think the nostalgia of the old show is what brought such a huge following to Legend of Korra. Mm-hmm. The fans were there, but I think the epic boom and the loyal following came a little too late. Yeah. I guess. Um, I was actually able to go to a panel in 2013. Um and I got to shake the hand of some of the voice actors, so they still kind of participate a little bit uh, with the fans as well, and mm-hmm. that's that's really special. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate that such a beloved show, and even I haven't seen uh, most of it. I've seen only a few parts of the first book, but even from what I've seen, it's a really really good show and really special. And it's so unfortunate that. It, it seems like it took a little too late for it to catch fire. Um, and maybe that had more to do with Nickelodeon's marketing, probably. 
I bet you Nickelodeon was like, what are we doing with this show? Uh, nothing. Okay. <laughs> and so they just... Because I, I, from what I've heard about even Legend of Korra is that they threw that show around so much like to different time slots or like they play it at the same time as another very popular show on a right. different Nickelodeon channel. It was almost like they were trying to get people not to watch it. And people were like, why? Why are you doing this? Like, people love this show. And it's like it's like Nickelodeon was like, we hate this crap, but we have to do it because people love it. So we're going to put it over, way over there and not tell you about it. So we'll be like, oh, well, viewership was down. And it's like, but that's because you played it on another channel on a Sunday night. <laughs> what were we supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, it was very, it was very unfortunate, but... Um, even with the comics moving over to Dark Horse, mm -hmm. um, the following is a little thinner. However, there's it's still so exciting when a new comic book comes out mm -hmm. because you still get to follow all of the characters because there's a, um, a continuation of The Last Airbender and also a continuation of Legend of Korra. So really, you could there's you could follow the narrative forever. And yeah. That makes my geek heart happy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, man. Because that show was just so... It was so special to me all the way through, like, 6th and 7th grade. Because I was really uh, awkward. And so all I would talk about was Avatar The Last Airbender. And mm -hmm. I was very late to the game, everybody. Um, didn't start following until the day of Black Sun. And that's in the middle of book three. Mm -hmm. Literally the dead center of book three. So, late to the game there. Uh -huh. However, I took my Christmas money and bought the first two books on DVD, and that was the first set I ever owned. I have since... Is that what my mic is sitting on? No, that's this is the complete set. That is the third time I've bought the discs, because anytime someone expresses an interest in the show, I offer to let them borrow it, and then if they really, really like it, I just kind of let them keep it, and then I just upgrade my discs as, mm -hmm. I, as I go along. <laughs> well, you should get Blu-ray now that you have a PS4. Yes. It would look amazing. just came out with a Blu-ray set for The Last Airbender, and I'm so excited. I just need to um, budget for those things. Yes, 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 yes. So I don't want to talk too much more about the actual show because I do want them to have their own full episode. Of course. Um, but I did want to kind of get, like, you know, at least people familiar with it. So... I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let you take it away because you have kind of prepared. So we're going to talk about the M. Night Shyamalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalalal
The Last Airbender. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I think we should mention, I think it's pretty clear why the movie wasn't called Avatar. Oh, James Be- Cameron. Because James Cameron ruined that. Because <laughs> the show was called Avatar, and then the subtitle was The Last, the last Airbender. Airbender. Yes. But then James Cameron freaking came around and made a movie called Avatar, and they couldn't do that. But I'm kind of glad they couldn't, because now maybe if they make something better that's live action, which I think they're going to do, but we might talk about that in another episode. Yes. Um, they can call it Avatar The Last Airbender. Yes. And no one will ever be confused, because <laughs> those two different titles were separately used for different things. Yes. But now we can bring them together. So, but unfortunately today, we're not talking about that. We're talking no. about The Last Airbender. So, Caitlin, take it away. All right. So... I'm going to talk about why, from the standpoint of a fan, the movie was bad. Because Mm -hmm. there are a lot of technical, cinematic reasons why it was bad, which Marcus will talk about later. But we're just going to focus for a little bit on how it took some of the most beautiful source material and turned it into something absolutely unrecognizable from a fan standpoint. And that felt like betrayal. Yeah. You hear me? Betrayal. <laughs> you hear me, M. Night Shumalumaloo? <laughs> betrayal. Um, you hear me, M. Night Sherbert? <laughs> <laughs> M. Night Starlight? <laughs> M. Night Starlight. That's a better name, honestly. <laughs> kind of sounds like a stripper name. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, M. Night Starlight. What a twist. <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> okay, sorry. Okay, so let's start wow. with um, the main character. Oh, gosh. Um, first, tell us, not a lot, because we want to save it for its own episode. Right. Tell us just a little bit about the main character from the source material from the show. The main character from Avatar The Last Airbender is Aang, a 12-year-old boy who is obviously an airbender, as the title suggests. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the most notable things about him is he has a blue arrow. <sighs> but he does not have a blue arrow in the film. To clarify for people who don't know, he has a blue arrow, which I assume is some kind of maybe tattoo. Yes, um, precisely. That goes, like it starts at the back of his head and goes over the top of his bald head, like down to, it kind of points right at his forehead um, in the cartoon. But in the live action film, it doesn't. And what do they call him in the film? (sighs) They call him Ong. Um... Can I tell you what I think happened? Sure. I think M. Night Shyamalan didn't really look much into the show, and he assumed based on the art style that it was like an anime, and that what we watched was just the dub, and that we just pronounced it wrong, (laughs) that us ignorant (laughs) Americans pronounced Ong as Ang, but the thing he doesn't realize is, first of all, the people who created the show are white. That doesn't really matter, but like, it's not... It's not an anime. It does have anime style, like the art style. So a lot of people from America did assume it was an anime dub. And they, you know, people had to be like, no, it's not. 
It's from America. The art studio is in South Korea. It's just a lot of things that yeah. make it not nothing an Japanese. Anime. Nothing uh, Japanese at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay, sidetrack a little bit just to talk about that. Um, the creators actually use the Chinese characters, um, Chinese characters for a water, earth, fire, and air, mm-hmm. which is the, the elements they can manipulate. Yes. And also the cycle of the avatars, which nation they would be born into now the avatars i'm assuming some people listening to this know nothing about the show the avatars are kind of like the leaders right of these of the world right like that's the kind of idea and they have the ability to bend all of those elements bend which also means control so they can move stuff around yeah Uh, so they can control earth fire water and air yes um and that's like the the avatar is reincarnated. Um, is there ever any crossover, or is it immediately when one of them dies, the, he's it's reborn? Yes, immediately when the previous avatar dies, the next one is born. So even in the opening sequence of the show, they mention Avatar Roku. Okay, so even more background: the Fire Nation is the antagonist of the series. Mm-hmm. They started a war to take over the entire world. When the world needed him most. He vanished. He vanished. The Avatar. Yes, <laughs> Avatar Roku. Was he? Wasn't then, he from the Fire Nation? He was. Which I think is ironic. Yes. Uh, there's like a whole episode devoted to that, and it's really cool. You should check it out. Yes. Yeah. And I, they knew, because there's like a pattern to like which tribe the Avatar is going to come from next, right? Yes. And they knew the Avatar was going to come from the Airbenders next. Yes. So they they basically wiped out all the airbenders spoiler yes well that's like episode one yeah 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 and if you watch this movie that happens in like the first 30 minutes oh uh, i think it happens in like the exposition because they have in the opening crawl yeah yeah can we start there hang on let's start (laughs) let's just walk through this movie so the movie step by step why it sucks the movie opens with like an opening crawl but it's not like star wars where they made it interesting it's like just text on a screen. Maybe there's like some, I think there might be like maybe some fog and some like, like, um, what do you call those? Not sparks, but like when you have a fire and there's those things going around. The embers? Yeah, like, em- oh, I think embers are what you call the stuff in the fire, but. Sparks? <laughs> sparks. But you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. some glowy, little glowy things. <laughs> I have two bachelor's degrees. Um, <laughs> little glowy things flying around, you know. Uh, yeah, fire yeah. flies from the fire. We no, spent I'm kidding. too much money on one thing <laughs> of water that uh, we just get some uh, some sparkly stuff. Some little sparkly stuff. Mm. But it, I think it might have that going on, but that is just on top of regular text that's just scrolling up. <laughs> and Black screen. The thing about this is, just, this is a little technical note from a writing standpoint all these things she explains in the opening crawl is then reiterated again in the film so why did we need this you don't like you could have just started with the live action version of the opening like water fire air you know i missed earth but whatever (laughs) forget earth no but like they did a a live action recreation which was cool but not 
as good as the cartoon because the people on screen weren't doing that impressive of martial arts moves. And in the cartoon, they're like, wah, 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 wah. and then like, <laughs> it feels like in the movie, they're just kind of waving their hands around. And I'm like, that's, that's all right. <laughs> and that's kind of indicative, right, of all the bending in this movie is they're either not doing enough or they do a lot of motions for a seemingly small result, you know? <laughs> Let's make this rock gently float over to the firebenders. You know what I discovered? I used to think that too, and everyone makes fun of that. I think they were doing... This is later in the film. We've skipped a oh, lot. yes. But this is just to comment on this. I think that's a mistake of perception because right before that, a big rock wall came and blocked the firebenders. And I think they were doing like a post move. Like they were still completing the move they had just done to bring that wall up and the pebble just happens to float by right as they go wah with their hand <laughs> but then when the pebble floats by you then see one guy go wah and he sends that pebble at the firebenders so i think they were like finishing up their move i'm doing hand motions <laughs> yeah. uh, they were finishing up their move from when they brought up the wall and that one guy was the one making the pebble go, but it was just unfortunate because the timing was the group of 10 people go wow and like push their hand forward. And then you see a pebble float across the screen and it makes it look like it requires 10 <laughs> earthbenders to move a pebble. And it's just so like, wah, wah. <laughs> like you're like, Oh, you're going to be the fire nation. Anyway, back to the opening crawl. This is a this is indicative of a problem throughout the film. First of all, the rule of of storytelling in film is show don't tell because film is at its core a visual medium. Um, it doesn't even require dialogue necessarily. Like it started with silent films, and you know there were dial there was dialogue, but not as much because they would have had to cut to a a card that showed what the dialogue is. So they kind of cut down on a dialogue, you know, they tried to make it more action filled and have really cool visuals. And you can still do that to this day. You could make a movie with no dialogue at all. Nobody talks, you know, you could do it. It's, it would be really hard and even harder to keep an audience engaged, but you could do it because film is at its core, a visual medium. And the problem, one of the, one of the many problems with this movie is that characters talk too much and they explain too much of the plot to us and to each other, you know? Mm -hmm. And you get the first red flag is at the beginning when, the, when there's just a bunch of text that's like, here's how our world works. Here's what happened to the Avatar. And now we're all doomed. And then she says that later. Like, you find that all out later in the film by just watching it. And I'm like, did anybody read this script <laughs> like or or did he just write it and go here we go we're making a movie right i think he was try he was trying to emulate the beginning sequence of the very very first episode of avatar the last airbender where katara who um the creators have actually explained is kind of their medium for telling the story um explains okay this is our world. We have been at war for a hundred years and the Avatar has vanished 
and now this is what we're left with and we're we're looking for hope and they also explain or she also explains that her father has left their water tribe village to go fight in this war so we have these two characters who are now set up we know they're from the water tribe and that they're they're awaiting the day the avatar returns and katara is also very hopeful she's one of the only hopeful characters in the beginning of this series and that's really important like later on because she is kind of like that the vessel of hope throughout the whole thing and they made her so bland in the film it was it was almost like i i wasn't watching this like role model character that i had been watching in the show i mean i was an awkward little sixth or seventh grader and like katara was the person i wanted to be because she was so dynamic in that she was emotional Mm -hmm. but it wasn't a caricature of just this hopeful emotional like teenage girl she was also a mother and a like not a mother but a motherly character yeah um, they actually make fun of her for that in the series <laughs> because thanks she, mom thanks because <laughs> uh, she grows up so fast with her dad being gone and yeah. also losing her mother in the war i think that's explained really early on sorry if i spoiled that for you <laughs> um so well and kind of yeah. to go back to the beginning of the film something like right when they discover um they discover ang in a ball of ice in the water and there's a moment where her brother whose name what's his name again <laughs> his name is Sokka, Sokka in the series but they call him Soka in <laughs> Sokka in, in the, the series <laughs> but Soka in Soka. the movie Soka and Ong why why uh, do you need to change the name of the characters I, it what does it add nothing it just takes away Exactly. It's another way that the movie became completely unrecognizable. It's just and clear I think... to me that he did no research. That he, or like he just did a very, very, very base level research. I, I have seen an interview with him. Um, I'll have to go back and find it because I remember watching it and being so furious because he said that he liked the series. His daughter actually brought him the series and was like dad dad this is so cool and he got the idea to make an adaptation of it and he actually in this interview compared avatar the last airbender to dora the explorer and he said so i brought this dora the explorer i'm making a face that you guys can't see but i'm making a really like i can't (laughs) and then he because he wanted to make it more mature i'm gonna use air quotes there mature but really what he he didn't even do that Uh, that didn't even read because but how does changing his name from ang to ong make it more mature i guess he thought it made it more realistic but more realistic (laughs) um because these are people who can control elements with their minds it's not realistic and you can speak more to this Uh, let me just ask you because you know more than i do wasn't part of the charm of the show how childish it could be that it was childish and at the same time 
dramatic and very serious when it needed to be. Like that that Aang as a character, especially the main character, was very childish because he was a child. That was the point of the show right. was that he had all this responsibility dumped on him and he was just like 12 years old, right? Right. And so you don't feel the weight of that unless you see him goof around and act like a kid and like he's always joking around and he's rarely serious. But then when he is serious... You're like, oh, this is serious. Because if Aang is being serious, this is a real serious moment. Am I right? Isn't that... Like, so, okay, talk about that since Aang is the main character. Talk about the disconnect between Aang and Aang uh, and the differences there and how those differences make Aang a worse character. Actually, before you do that, put a pin in that. That's a little tease because we're going to cut to a commercial break now. Uh, So we're going to take a break for a second, and then we're going to come back, and Caitlin, you're going to tell us all about the disconnect between Aang from the show and Aang from the movie, and talk about the differences there. Uh, But before we do that, we're going to take a little break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. So now, Caitlin, tell us about the difference between Aang from the TV series and Ong from the movie. All right. So from the get-go, we have this character, Aang, who is introduced, and his first words are, will you go penguin sledding with me? Which automatically shows that he is lighthearted. He doesn't really know what's going on. He just came out of an iceberg. He just came to have a good time. Mm-hmm. And then even towards the end of the first two episodes, he is still dead set on just traveling the world, finding animals, and riding them. Mm -hmm. Like the elephant koi on Kyoshi. I mean, there's that first huge difference is Ong comes out of the iceberg and there's no penguin sledding scene. They don't go have fun. He's always serious. He doesn't... my name's Ong. He doesn't talk like that. (laughs) He doesn't... (laughs) He doesn't suggest they go do anything lighthearted because, I mean, let's face it, Aang in the original series is trying to use this adventure as an escape at first. Uh, He didn't want to be the Avatar. He didn't want that responsibility because it was actually taking away from his friendships in the original series. Yeah. You know, it wasn't fair to have the Avatar on your team anymore because he was the Avatar. So he was so powerful, but... He was a 12-year-old kid. Yeah. The seriousness of Aang comes from the guilt of he didn't want to be the Avatar. Right. Which Ong also shared. He didn't want to be the Avatar. But what he lacked was the lighthearted, I just want to, I want to have fun. I want to enjoy life. He never talks about his friends that are all over the world. He never talks about, I don't think Boomy was even in the movie. Nope. And King Boomy was one of Aang's best friends. And he plays a very large role in the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. And he also... Doesn't he teach Aang a little bit about earthbending or something? Yeah, a little bit. Points him in the right direction for a, a teacher who is later tough. But, I mean, that that's that's the biggest difference between the two of them, is of Aang and Ong, is that Aang is not only like the most powerful human in the world, but he also is 12. 
and they make it very clear that he is 12 in the way that like he wants to be everybody's friend and yeah he feels terrible about how the state of the world and how he left it and even though there is that that guilt and the drive to save the world he also is he's a kid and the writers let him be a kid and like he has dumb ideas he does dumb stuff it's awesome yeah it, I mean, it makes you know it makes for a main character that is relatable um without being overly stoic because so often we have <laughs> no offense to anybody out there we have these super stoic main character males we have mm-hmm. these very like <coughs> superman from the latest movies <coughs> Ooh, <coughs> these manly men mm-hmm. <laughs> and while they're they're cool and you kind of want to be them a little bit emulate yeah, the sometimes, well, yeah, <laughs> sometimes they're cool <laughs> sometimes <laughs> <laughs> Superman from the last movies. <laughs> Not very cool. Man, there's a lot of pollen in this room. It's very depressing. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> um, Aang, Aang was very, he was very different in that regard. That He was a child. And Ong didn't feel like a child. No. Ong felt like what you'd expect the Avatar to act like, but just kind of in a child's body. And it was like, well, now you lose the nuance of the character. Yeah. And you didn't even have, like, the excitingness of the show. Um, I mean, for instance, any fight with firebenders in the show, they just shoot it out of their hands. But in the movie, the fire has to be pre-existing. And that's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. We could get way off track there. But I felt like the movie lacked the speed and the drama. Right. I mean, it, yes. Book one was is probably still my least favorite, even though it did a lot for character development. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't a lot of action, and you don't really get to the thick of the story until you get to book two. Um, so yeah. I, so then, not only do you have like this this character Aang, who is very like jubilant and exciting. Um, you also have like a story and a world that is very exciting, which I feel like just got swept away in an attempt to make it seem darker or more serious. Mm-hmm. And that that wasn't the draw of the show at all. It yeah. wasn't how serious it was. It was that, okay, we're dealing with a war, but through the eyes of a 12-year-old. And how, did, how does that look? Yeah. But, and in this twelve-year-old is supposedly the one who can stop the war. Right, the balance to the entire world. Yeah, and on top of it, he doesn't really want to be involved, and he doesn't know how to stop it, and kind of doesn't seem all that interested in figuring it out. Like he does, because there's there's a very there's a very mature part of him it seems that is like I know I have to do this, and people's lives are in danger. But then there's another part of him that also seems like. Let's go have some fun. What could one day's worth of fun hurt? And sometimes yes. people are like, um, Aang, we really got to keep moving. But exactly. Like, but the games. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, for real, if you, his whole journey through the whole series goes from this carefree but also guilt-ridden child to like someone who seems like they're very mature beyond their years. By the time he... 
uh, gets to the very end of the series, I, he is so well-rounded everywhere. Like, he's still, he still seems like the kid who came out of the iceberg. Yeah. But also so much more than that. And so when you start off with Ong, who already seems like this old man. He, se- he seems like the monks. Yeah. That the air nomads. Yeah. And it, they... They also hired, this is a little inside baseball for you, they hired a gymnast to play Ong, which makes sense on paper, but he's also the main character, and that kid couldn't act his way out of a paper bag. Like, I'm sorry, but he just couldn't, his acting was terrible. And it doesn't help that he also had really bad dialogue, so he was a bad actor with bad dialogue, and it was just the worst combination. I think, get a kid actor who's a really good actor... And just use a stunt double or something, you know, like, or just teach that kid some basic moves so that you can do like some close-up shots and then use the stunt double, you know, because if you just get a guy who's good at gymnastics and he was good at doing those moves when it was action time, like that kid was doing it really well. But when it was talking time, <laughs> uh oh. like here's a, here's a great example. And this can transition us into talking about, um, Zuko. That's his name, right? The yes. main... I'd call him the main antagonist, at least of this movie. Yes. And this book, probably, as well. Because, like, the Fire Lord is, like, the overall antagonist, but in the first book, you don't even see him. In in, in this movie, you see him, and it's stupid, because he's just it's a guy. So he's just a guy walking down a hallway with his lieutenant. Because <laughs> in the first book of the show, you don't see him, right? Like, you never Not see him. until the they, very end. They show, and you like, only see a silhouette. You see a silhouette. And it's a really scary silhouette. Like there's fire all around him and it's like, dun, dun. he's like big and hulking. It's this silhouette. And then you see like his shoulder or something when he like shoots his son Zuko with fire in a flashback. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And then like you don't, but you don't see him because it, then that, I'm getting all worked up. That makes him a <laughs> menacing villain because it's up to your imagination. You're like, what does this guy look like? And then even when you do see him, he does kind of just look like a man, but he still looks like a scary man. This guy just looked like somebody's dad. Like in the movie, he just looked like somebody's dad wearing armor. Like they were like, Fire Lord. And they walked up to him and I was like, really? This dude's the one that's... Really? And he's like, what? What's going on? <laughs> and they were like, we got some problem. And he's like, well, take take care of it or else, you know, I'll throw flames at you. And he's like, oh, please don't. <laughs> also, I mean, the voice acting of Mark Hamill. Yeah, Mark For Hamill, Ozai, who is Fire an amazing—he's oh an amazing voice actor, and he's—he's he's just an amazing actor. If you don't know who Mark Hamill is, he was Luke Skywalker in Star Wars. He also does the voice of the Joker very famously in a lot of cartoons and in the Arkham video games. Which <laughs> next episode's going to be about <laughs> Arkham Asylum, hey. so stay tuned. Um, but yeah, and Mark Hamill, his voice is so menacing. And this actor looks like somebody's dad <laughs> and just sounds like somebody's dad. He's just like, yes, I'm the fire lord. Jimmy, did you pack your lunch for school today? <laughs> yes, I cast my son out uh, and he's not welcome back. <laughs> and he didn't add any like growl or like anything. He's just a guy. And they he show him nice. in the movie in a random scene. They're just walking down a hallway. Him and his lieutenant. What's his lieutenant's name? Zhao. Uh, Zhao. <laughs> um, 
he's walking down the hallway with Zhao. <laughs> uh, and I found out that that scene was filmed in a high school. No. That's a high school that they're walking in. No. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh. my gosh. I'm like, hurting. It, it, if you've never seen this movie, hopefully just the way we're describing it like makes Don't. it sound terrible. But anyway, he's just walking down the hall, the hallway of a high school with his lieutenant. Like, so what's the big plan here, boss? The lieutenant says that. And the Fire Lord's like, well, I guess we'll just kill everyone. And, he, and then he's like, <laughs> sounds good, dad. I mean, boss. <laughs> and it's like, he's just a... It's like if you started the Wizard of Oz and like the Wizard of Oz comes out of a porta potty and he's like, oh, and you like catch him. And he's like, well, I'm the wizard. And you're like, oh, <laughs> like from the get go. Oh. And you're like, oh, well, I mean, what are you doing at much? You know, it's like weird. So like, anyway, what I was saying is there's a scene between Ong and Zuko, who's the Fire Lord's son. Yes. And I don't remember exactly what happens, but like basically... They were fighting or like he had Ong as his prisoner and Ong like I think traps him maybe in ice or something. I don't know how he did that, but like he does something like that and he's walking out and he, he like kind of turns around and he goes, we could be friends, you know, and then leaves. Oh, yes. And I what they're referencing scene. is a beautiful scene in the show where I think at this point, spoilers, by the way, for the show, I think at this point, correct me if I'm wrong, Zuko actually like put on a costume like in a mask and actually was helping the good guys yes um and but like was hiding his identity but ang found out who he was right and there it's this beautiful shot where they're sitting beneath a tree and zuko is on the left bottom left of frame and ang is on the bottom right of frame and ang kind of looks at him and, and he's like do you think we could ever be friends and then zuko just goes and shoots fire at him and ang runs away and then you kind of see Zuko and he's kind of like, you know, like it looks like he yeah. kind of wishes they could be friends, but some part of him is like, that could never happen, you know? Right. And it's a very touching moment. And most of it is told visually. And yet in the movie, he just walks away. And he's like, we could be friends, you know? Great. <laughs> you know? Cool. I'm glad you put that in the movie. That's really... Awesome. And they even shove the part where Zuko, I think they even have, like, Zuko doesn't, doesn't he wear a costume and a mask in the very end of the movie? And it kind of comes out of nowhere. And he, like, helps them. And you're like, this is r real rushed. You just wanted to force this in because the show did it. Well, yeah, because, I, again, it was 20 episodes they tried to fit into a movie. It, okay, if you're going to make a movies and not a show, this is how I do it. Book one is at least two movies in and of itself. Right. At least. And then each each book is like two movies. And then maybe, what's the last one, book three? Yes. Book three, maybe even three movies, since there's probably a lot that happens. Well, Unless they wrap it up quickly. Well, no. the They took their time with uh, the finale of the show. They took four episodes to do it. So four 21-minute episodes. And they wanted to make it as cinematic as possible because mm -hmm. this was the end of avatar before they knew they were going to be writing comics so yeah they i would love to see that as a film on its own directed it by is. somebody else yeah, and written by somebody else i would mike brian 
please come back do it as a movie we miss you uh, try again <laughs> um honestly i think if they wrote that the creators if they wrote the screenplay or at least wrote the story and then someone else like someone else from the guild touched it up i think it'd be great because they had no input on this movie right Correct. or like they because they i think they were like yeah we we tried to be like hey what about this and they're like yeah yeah, yeah shut up we're making a real movie. You guys made a cartoon. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but the cartoon is what's popular. Like, this is... Right. Sidetrack, I hate when people look down on cartoons. I hate when people are like, I don't want to see that. It's animated. It's for babies. I'm like, listen. First of all, listen. Shut your mouth. <laughs> because I still cry when I watch a Pixar movie. Because oh, my it, gosh. If a story is told well, it doesn't matter what the medium is like it doesn't matter even if it's like for all audiences so like children are like they can watch it that doesn't mean that it has no value for adults you know mm -hmm. i would say like you could even watch maybe like a winnie the pooh cartoon that is like literally literally for babies like actually that's the target audience and probably still find some stuff in there and be like oh that's fun you know yeah so like when, pick, when people are like, I'm not going to go see a Pixar movie. It's for babies. I'm like, first of all, you're a pretentious idiot and you need to <laughs> shut up. Second of all, Pixar is so good at telling stories through animation. And I think Avatar The Last Airbender is another good example of that. And it, it this might be the cynical part of me, but I feel like part of the reason that M. Night Shyamalan was like, I wanted to make it a little more like dramatic is that he was like, it's a cartoon. It's not dramatic. You know, I have to make it more dramatic. And I'm like, no, you don't. It feels like to me that the audience for the cartoon was a pretty mature audience. Like, not like, not like grandmas, but like, you know, for sure. Teenagers and young adults seems like is the, what ended up being the demographic. Yes. And if they already like the source material, why do you feel like it has to be elevated, quote unquote, like to be more mature, you know? It's mm -hmm. like, but mature audiences are the ones that like it. So what are you thinking, M. Night Shapoopy? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. And on top of that, the characters don't make any sense. You know, the, the dialogue sounds like it's coming out of a computer. But also on a technical side, the movie itself, just as a film, is no good. Like, not even as an adaptation. Just if it was original content, it would still be terrible. Because, first of all, there aren't really any good shots. Like, there are no shots that make me go, oh, wow. You know? Mm -hmm. It's just very bland and very, like, meh. The CGI is terrible. Oh, gosh. First of all, what's the name of his flying bison? Appa. Appa. Appa in the cartoons is adorable. Oh, so cute. Appa in the movie? I want 20. Appa in the movie? Horrifying to look at. Very scary. Monstrous. Why does he have a human face? He has a human face. And it's <laughs> gigantic because he's a huge flying bison. And he's just like, hello. And you're like, oh my gosh. Put that thing away. <laughs> like, it, 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 and it, you know, it's... The dialogue is super boring. The cinematography is super boring. And can I say this? First of all, as far as the ethnicity of the characters, oh boy. when I watch the cartoon, first of all, in cartoons, a lot of times it's hard to tell unless they're very drastic. But I will say, 
it does seem like the water tribes tend to have darker skin. Yes. And I always imagined them more like... They were modeled after the Inuit tribes. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've heard a lot of people assume that most of the characters were Indian or Asian. Right. Um, I think probably because a lot of the show was based off of Asian mythology and... Yes. Um, Even the martial arts were based on Chinese martial arts. Styles. Yeah, it's and it, the characters do lots of martial arts or martial arts esque moves. Right. But the way I always interpreted it was, there are different ethnicities. Even a lot of times within tribes, because I always saw it as you could just be born as whatever. Like you could be born as a firebender and maybe even live in the North Pole, but you just would then go find the firebenders or like learn to firebend. It did seem like it mostly ran in families. So like if you already lived in a tribe, you you that would usually yeah. be passed down. But the way I saw it was more like people all over the world could be benders and it just didn't matter. You know, it all depended on genetics and stuff yeah. like that. But it, they make it seem like it's all over the world. It's not like this is a country, right? It's not like this right. is one it country. It is the entire world. It's the it's world. It's its own universe, really. And it, it feels more like the tribes are countries, like, or like where yes. the tribes kind of are located are different countries. Yes. Um, it, it does seem like they've kind of split into what kind of bender you are. Yes, they don't really exclude other benders, but they tend to live with their own. Right. There's, I mean, there's an entire episode that's, that's kind of dedicated to that ideal. Yeah. Um, that idea. Um, and Legend of Korra talks about it even more, um, which we can talk about later because republic city if you know what that is from legend of Korra, that was uh, the fire nation started colonies all over the earth kingdom and so the earth kingdom that's kind of the first time this universe or this is the first time it's implied that this universe kind of has an intermingling of the different nations mm -hmm. and of course the air nomads they were everywhere because they were nomads they're the only known nomadic people of this universe mm -hmm. um they moved around a lot yes yeah um so yeah it is very it's separated by bending ability so and i mean the first season right the entire first season for the most part is them traveling from the south pole to the north pole yes to right? find a water bending master yeah because... and that's why it took a whole season they were going yes. from one side of the planet to the other oh yeah and it took two hours in the movie uh, because they tried to fit the whole book into one movie. Which is really, it, it's impossible. It, it, it made it feel like they made it there in a few days. And I'm like, you can't, can you do that? That's, I mean. That's not how world travel works. I mean, uh, now, Appa, but. Yeah. Is Appa as fast as a plane though? Doesn't seem like not. it. Absolutely not. No. And even a plane, like, I don't know how long that takes. Plus they kept getting sidetracked in this, in the show, which felt natural, you know. Um, and. You just can't, you can't fit it into two hours. But apart from that, what I was, what I was getting at is in the movie, it seemed like they made everyone white except the bad guys who were all Indian, which is weird when you realize that M. Night Shyamalan is himself Indian. So it's like, why'd you make all the bad guys Indian and all the good guys white? At least that's what it seems like. There might, some of those main actors might not have been Caucasian, but they all appeared to be right. Caucasian. And, and it was I like, mean, mm. why, why whitewash the 
three main characters anyway. Yeah. We're all there are there are white characters. Like some of the people in some of the tribes when they travel over the world do appear Caucasian, and then sometimes they find people that do appear like they're from the Orient, and then you know there are some people with much much darker skin, and it's just it's like our world. They're right. all over, you know. Right. I mean, especially because the creators themselves have said in multiple interviews that their storytelling and their world that they've created has always been about inclusion, has always been about diversity. And I think that reads very well. I won't say that the series is perfect. You can't really say that anything is perfect, even though I love it so much. I've seen it like eight times. Yeah. Probably more at this point. But uh, it does such a good job at challenging those ideas. What is so disappointing about the film, it almost kind of takes that idea and throws it away. Yeah. It just, I mean, just to make a buck. (laughs) Yeah. If if I'm honest, it just seems like here was this huge show that was going to blow up and... M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan, mm-hmm. <laughs> took it and tried to make it something his his own. Yeah. And without sticking to the ideals and the heart behind the whole thing. Yeah, the problem is he took out all the elements that made the show good. Right. <laughs> like, I understand putting your own stamp on something. Like, I think someone should do that as an artist. But... Not at the cost of the original material, you know? So, as someone who writes something, Marcus, what what do you think would have been, would have made this movie better? Well, first of all, showing more than telling. Mm -hmm. Um, Another great example of them telling too much is after they get Ong out of the ice, they start to travel. And first of all... um, What's her name again? Katara? Katara. Katara narrates during the whole movie and often will narrate things we are watching or will narrate things that don't need to be narrated. So like when they first start traveling on Appa, she starts to narrate and she's like, Aang and I became friends right away. And you're like, oh my gosh, do you need to tell us that? <laughs> like, can we not just watch that happen? Like we would have seen that happen. Like even if... I think even just taking out the narration, and narration is not always bad, but the narration in this film is really bad. It's too on the nose. It's explaining exactly what we're seeing. Here's a perfect example. If they had just taken out the narration, when they first make it to the North Pole, Sokka, but Soka in the movie. Yes. Soka in the movie sees the princess, and like it does this thing where like it like zooms into her face, and she sees him, and it zooms into his face, and he sees her. And there's clearly like something there. And then Katara's narration comes in and it's like he had eyes for the princess like and they became friends right away. <laughs> and you're like, dude, we just saw that happen. Like if you hadn't have said that, we would have been like, oh, they're into each other. And then they would have been talking and we would have been like, oh, well, clearly there's something here. But she had to be like, there was something there. And we're like, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's I can see that. The movie holds your hand way too much. There's such a cool concept here. I would have done really cool cinematography. I would have tried to do really cool shots. And also the colors were kind of dull. And it's based off of a cartoon. 
So I would have gone, and of course, this is also my personal preference anyway. I would have gone with bright, vibrant colors. Even for the bad guys, they might have been a little darker, but they would have still been vibrant. It's supposed to be red. Yeah. Originally in the series. Yeah, and they have red in there, but it's like dark red. And yeah. But like even in the even in the polls, I would have just been. It would have been like a bright, vibrant blue, and uh, it wouldn't have been too dark and too contrasty. And then, as far as the script goes, mm, first of all, I would have, I wouldn't have just written it myself. Even if I was a major, major fan of the show, I wouldn't have written it myself. I would have gone to the creators. I would have worked on the story with them, even if they're not. I, I imagine they're part of the Writers Guild because they helped write the show, right? Yes. So I imagine they're already part of the guild. So I would either work on the story with them or even just work on the screenplay itself with them um, and have their approval on the sc- on the screenplay and I wouldn't even move forward unless I knew the creators were like this is a good this is a good adaptation of our story um, because if they don't like it that means everything that means it's a bad right. adaptation <laughs> and then I would have um, probably had lots of people read it which I'm not saying he didn't do that but Part of me is suspicious he didn't because there are just things in it that you're like, did anyone read this at all? You know, um, so I, the script, I would have made sure the script was solid, good dialogue, good banter. There wasn't really any banter. All of the dialogue was just literally just moving the plot forward or explaining what was happening on screen. So like Ong would just be like, this is where the airbenders lived. My friends were here. I was really close to them. I think they're still alive. I'm really excited to see them again. I'm like, can we not just see you excited? Even with Soka, like there was barely any of the like wah wah humor with him. Like in the show, there's a lot of like, oh, Sokka, like <laughs> doing dumb stuff, but he means well, you know? Mm-hmm. But in the movie, he's just kind of like, I will be a warrior. And then he is. And you're like, oh, well, good job. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right. You know, it's like right. people, there is, there's no character there. They are characters, technically, because mm-hmm. they are people in a story that say dialogue, but there is no character to them. They don't have any dif- discernible character traits. And so I would make sure that they have those characters. You know what I would do? I would have the script read or performed to children like actual children like maybe like 10 to 15 okay and ask them what they think and be like was that fun and if they're laughing at the jokes i'd be like well good you know and i'd put jokes in there first of all yeah i don't know if they're i don't i can't remember any jokes i'm sure there were some quote-unquote jokes like attempted jokes but But basically my point is I would make sure that I knew that I knew that I knew that the script was solid before I move forward, especially if I'm adapting something that's beloved by so many and that already has source material, you know, and then that's when I'd start. First of all, I would cast... If this was a perfect world, if I had as much time and money as I wanted to prepare, I would get a kid who's a really good actor and have that kid train for like six months in gymnastics or 
maybe even just the choreography for the movie Mm -hmm. so that the kid could do his own stunts, you know? Um, But I would cast a kid who's a good actor. So then he's acting really well and doing his own stunts. And I would cast a kid who could really pull off the, the innocence, but also the heavy weight that was on Aang's shoulders. Um, And then, you know, obviously... I think the funny thing is, I think most of the cast can stay the same. I just think they had really bad dialogue to work with. But the only one I know definitely I would change was Aang. Um, But the guy who played Zuko is like a great actor. Like he was in Slumdog Millionaire. He was in um, all sorts of really critically acclaimed movies. And he's a critically acclaimed actor. Um, he might have won an Oscar for Slumdog Millionaire, I don't know. Um, but he's a really good actor. And he was trying his best. Like, he was definitely acting, you know. But, like, mm-hmm. you could tell it was, like, I think with him, you could tell, like, okay, I, he seems like a good actor. He just has a bad script, you know. Right. So, because honestly, I think, I think the movie would have been fine, even with the cast the way it is. Even if the cast was the same and the visuals were the same, I think people would have been like, that was pretty good if the script was really good. Right. With the same actors, and that's why I was like, the script is the most important thing. Because you can make a good movie out of a bad script, but it's very, 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 very hard. You know, you're fighting an uphill battle at that point. You Because the script is the foundation of the film. And I think that's really what killed it. I think... Yeah. There were, it had other wounds, you know, um, the bad acting, the boring visuals, but the, the blow that killed it was the script. I will say it's one redeeming quality was the soundtrack. The music. The score. Oh gosh. The score was so beautiful. Honestly, I don't remember the score, but I don't remember much about (laughs) the film. Yeah. If you go back and listen to the score, it is really beautiful music. Um, I still listen to it. Like from time to time when um, I'm writing mm-hmm. or doing something that requires creativity, um, it's it's good. Yeah, the movie didn't deserve it. <clears throat> no. <clears throat> yeah, I said it. <laughs> no. Um, that I thought that did it redeemed it, but not enough. I also, by the way, would have only focused on half of the first season. Um, and then if that was too much, I would have cut down even further. And, you know, not every episode or every side story can make it to a film. You know, mm-hmm. it's really like just the overarching plot and maybe some some side stories that end up making a big impact. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't bite off more than I could chew. I just think this concept is so cool and it could look so great on the big screen. If the person... If the people, I'm not going to put this completely on M. Night Shyamalan's shoulders. There were hundreds of people working on this film and nobody said anything. Nobody was like, hey, this is terrible. You know, as far as we know, Mm -hmm. nobody, nobody was like, this is no good. You know, and there were people in charge of the editing, in charge of the CGI, in charge of the choreography that weren't M. Night Shyamalan. You know, M. Night Shyamalan signed off on everything. So, you know, it all kind of points back to him. What about everyone else involved, you know, the producers, the, you know, the production designer, the costume designer, 
all failed. Everyone failed, you know? The casting director. The casting director. My gosh. The screenwriter, if it if somebody was also credited, I don't know if they were. It might have just been M. Night Shyamalan. But every, everyone failed. That's what makes this movie so uniquely bad is that every single department failed, you know? Just everything is bad. Every part of it. Except the composer. The composer... <laughs> He did his the, job. He's the only one who <laughs> succeeded. But at the same time, the work was so bad that the music, the good music wasn't able to elevate it at all. No. Maybe it did elevate it, and we would have hated this movie even more if it had a terrible score. But every, every department failed. And it's the worst kind of bad movie because it's not even fun to watch in a bad way. Like, there are bad movies where you're like, you can still watch them and have a good time. Like Batman and Robin. You can watch yeah. that and have a good time because it's so funny how bad it is. This one's just boring and it's upsetting, which makes it the worst kind of bad movie because you can't even watch it in a fun way. You know? You can't even watch it and laugh at it because you're too mad, you yeah. know? And too bored at the same time. It's not Mystery Science Theater 3000 worthy. No, no. <laughs> if you do want to see a good breakdown of this film and like the kind of stuff that went into it there's a youtube channel called just right which by the way is a very good youtube channel that talks a lot about screenwriting and writing stories um and if you like storytelling it's right up your alley he has like a series of videos where he i think it's like maybe four parts where he broke down this movie and what exactly what went wrong with this film and what is wrong with it on a technical side on a screenplay side, and just every side, you know? And he does reference the source material and kind of stuff that went wrong there. And um, a good example of the the acting being bad is he brings up, there's a video that one of the creators made to kind of, I don't remember if it was for the animators or if it was for the producers when they were pitching the show, but it's it's a recreation of a scene where I think Aang is trying to buy something with money, and he's like, "Yes." He's like, "How about one copper piece?" Oh, that episode is so good. And he's like, "How about two copper pieces?" And the creator is doing this funny voice, and he's like making these faces, and that guy's not an actor. He's you know a writer, a director, a producer. But he was emoting and he was doing a funny voice. Ong, the actor who played Ong, stone-faced the whole time. Maybe looked sad once, but maybe looked sad a lot. I think he was pretty good at mopey. Like, he looked pretty mopey. And to be fair, we don't know how much of that was the direction and how much of that was the actor or both, you know? True. But the fact that the creator, when pitching this character to people... What he pitched was a funny voice and funny faces. That encapsulates Aang mm-hmm. to me. Like if you were to boil down, what is Aang? He's a funny voice and a funny face. You know, like not always, not his his natural face isn't funny, but you know what I mean. Yeah. He makes funny faces. He says funny things. He's goofy. And that's why when he is serious, it makes such a big impact. Like, because imagine if, if the character Goofy was suddenly serious, which happens in some of the movies. It makes a big impact because you're like, this character's name is Goofy and he's being really serious right now. So this is a really important moment in this in this movie or show. Mm -hmm. And 
they messed it up. It's like if if they saw a really cool bowl and they wanted to recreate it, but they were like, but I want to put my stamp on it, so I'm going to just put my hand right here so they know it's mine. But then they crushed the bowl. So now it's not even a working bowl. The bowl is useless, you know? It's a But at least it's your bowl because you can <laughs> see your handprint in it. I feel like that's kind of what happened here. Um, but we should close up because this is a really long episode. If Absolutely. you guys If you guys want to hear us talk more about this movie or maybe do a commentary for this movie, uh, let us know because um, I'd be willing to do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Do our own little Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's two thumbs down for me for this movie. Um, Caitlin, in summary, this movie, review, what do you think? If you're looking for an adventure, don't look here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah, all of the qualities from just a movie standpoint, all the qualities of a good epic adventure and something breathtaking and kind of an escape from the real world for a little bit just don't happen here they fall short and it doesn't engulf you enough in the fantasy and the lore and the new universe to make you feel at home somewhere that isn't home and it also like you said with all the hand holding it doesn't allow for the audience to be intelligent it it makes the audience feel like we're being treated as if we're stupid and don't know what's going on. So I would say two thumbs down just just because it it's a bad movie that treats its audience poorly. Yeah. I if you haven't seen this movie, don't bother. Um I would say watch the, sh- the watch the show. If you have seen this movie and haven't seen the show, don't let the movie deter you. The show is nothing like the movie. Like nothing like the movie. Even the characters' names are different. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. watch the series. It's called Avatar The Last Airbender. Don't be daunted that, by the fact that it's an entire show. You go through the episodes fast, and they're they're not that long. No, only um, 20, 21 to 24-ish minutes. Yeah, that's you breeze by that. Yeah. Um, so even if you don't buy the entire series, check out the first few episodes. Give it a try. It's It's really charming. It's really fun. It's it's great. It's really great. It's really well written. Really well animated. Um, spoiler alert! I give the series two thumbs up. The cartoon series. Um, Caitlin gives the sh- the cartoon series four thumbs up. Oh yeah. Two thumbs and two big toes. Yeah, those are all thumbs. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being with us. I know this is probably a long one. This one had a lot to unpack, and I feel like we still didn't even get to most of it. Oh, for sure. So that's why I was saying, if you want us to talk more about this sometime. Um, let us know. I think a commentary would be really fun, actually going through the movie beat by beat and um, talking about it. So let us know if you want to hear more about this movie or if you want us to talk about another movie or any other story or anything to do with storytelling. Let us know. We'd love to talk about it. Thank you guys for sticking with us. I'm Marcus Hooper. And I'm Caitlin Park. And keep telling stories, you guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Storytales. Please subscribe and follow us on Twitter at StorytalesPod, where you can share your story with us. Or you can email us at StorytalesPodcast at gmail.com. Your story wants to be told.